Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void or prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Here we are. We are live back once again with another episode of the, I guess, Climbing the Pocket Protector show. Our man Flip couldn't make it, but I am joined here with some of the smartest minds talking Vikings football on all of the internet. So we're going to go ahead, get everyone introduced, and jump right into this thing and maybe see if we can sprinkle a little bit more positivity into this show than we have in recent weeks maybe i don't know we'll see miles asked them to be better they might have been a little better kirk played okay but we'll get to all that stuff in just a little bit let's get things going my man the good doctor chris won't be joining us but you're here you are good enough how's it going my man how you been things are good man uh yeah chris chris dropped in on a few of the shows today um, yeah, he, he's back in, uh, the good part of Northern Kentucky though. So, um, we, it, that was a joke. Um, but, uh, yeah, so this week, man, I mean, it was, I, you know, I thought that the Vikings were going to pull it out. Um, the, the Tennessee Titans made a ton of mistakes. One of which was, you know, nell, you know, uh, nullifying, you know, everybody last week gave me crap for wanting Jameis, but that Kirk Cousins interception that should have been a touchdown looked an awful lot like Jameis. Um, so uh, that was, that was the thing. And then Tennessee kicked a field goal when they were down five, which should have been basically the end of it. But unfortunately, Minnesota couldn't, uh, you know, sort of move the ball effectively in the second half. And, you know, Ryan Tannehill is actually a pretty, pretty good quarterback guys. And, uh, Steven Gostowski shows how unstable kicking is, uh, going, you know, what six for six against the Vikings. So unfortunately, um, you know, didn't, didn't work out, but, uh, this week, uh, Oh, and three Houston Texans are on the docket. After all these years, it looks like Mr. Fahey was right about the quarterbacks. But, you know, maybe that's a topic for another time. My man, wide receiver one, how are you doing? And how is your level of disappointment <laughs> after uh, after week three? Man, I, I definitely gave the uh, Alonzo morning gift. Like, I shook my head and I was like, mm, well, is it a, su- such a bad thing that they lost at the same time? I mean, <laughs> uh, my I guess just my overall expectations. I mean... It was a, an entertaining game, so at least there was that. That's all I asked for. Be better. They were at least better. Um, you know, they they definitely didn't step up when they when they when they should have. Um, they played well through basically most of all of the first half essentially, and then the start of the third quarter. Of course, they decided to basically throw a pick six. They got lucky, and nothing came from it. And then they it just became kind of this roller coaster from the, the rest of the way and. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was entertaining, um, but was I surprised they lost? No, I mean, they pretty much did everything they could to, 
to like keep the Titans in the game. And the Titans were like, well, we'll just keep kicking field goals. And if you guys want to beat us, go ahead. Like Eric said, but essentially they're like, nah, we'll just go ahead. Like six field goals will do it. Yeah, we got to get that uh that that good cornerback or tackle at the top of uh, Kirk, next year's draft. Kirk, Kirk had a real chance at beating a good team, and he couldn't do it. <sighs> oh, with that, I guess we'll pass it over <laughs> to the number one Kirk Cousins defender on all of Twitter.com. You're going to get me killed, man. I've already got, <laughs> I've already got like, legions of Packers fans in my mentions, like, digging up old tweets, being like, what now, bitch? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, kids at home, but... My mentions are a mess right now. So. Oh, man. Well, I'm, I'm sorry they had to do that to you. And let's see if we can. No, maybe I, we'll, fully, we'll... I fully deserve it. <laughs> I mean, it's true. But old Nick would have warned current Nick that this was going to happen. Because before Kirk got here, past Nick said that what we are experiencing right now is what would have happened. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, and to be honest, this game, I, you know, I thought, you know, if I'm going to lay out blame for the game, yeah, Kirk had that pick six, but he was also hit while he threw it. And I think I saw somewhere Jefferson ran the wrong route on that one. So I'm not entirely sure how bad of a game. I mean, Kirk wasn't good enough to win. You know, he got the ball in a, in a game winning in a fourth quarter comeback situation and promptly uh, uh, did nothing. So, you know, he's not without blame, but like, I don't know. It, I wouldn't say Cousins, you know, anytime you put up 30 points or whatever, you're not you're not going to be pointing fingers necessarily at the quarterback. Um, but, you know, overall, I, I enjoyed the game. I know, I know a lot of people are pissed that the Vikings are 0-3, but I think it was pretty clear early on that this Vikings team is not going to be making any noise in the playoffs. So to come away from the game, you know, it's a one-point loss, gets you a better draft pick. And like, hey, Justin Jefferson is actually like, looks like he's going to be good. Uh, that's pretty exciting because that makes a huge difference. We talked about how much, you know, how much trouble Cousins is going to be in or whoever the quarterback is going to be in if he's stuck with an aging Adam Thielen and, you know, B.C. Johnson or whatever or, you know, uh, Tajay Sharp. Or, you know, that's kind of dire straits. But Jefferson, I'm breaking out 175 yards, winning all over the field, slot out wide, condensed sets, press, off coverage, short, deep, intermediate, kind of basically he won in every single way possible en route to 175 yards. That's really exciting to see. And as bad as the Vikings are now, I think Jefferson is, as this game is a huge step stone in, in, in establishing that he's the kind of player you can maybe build around long-term. So that much is exciting for me. I love it. And, and we're talking about wide receivers. So obviously, Miles, I'm going to give you the floor on this one here to, to follow up on what Nick was saying. What were the big takeaways for you on, on Justin Jefferson in this game? And what do you think the Vikings can do to build on that going forward? And I guess the last thing to throw in there, did you notice anything that Tennessee might have done differently? Because Justin Jefferson was killing them and then he just kind of disappeared in the game. And so was there anything that you saw that maybe led to him no longer being maybe a focal point? Um, and really the only kind of spark that we had. Well, I guess you can't really say that. Dalvin Ball as well. But the only spark in the passing game um, that we had really going on. Yeah, well, I think to start, I, what I was excited about is this week they gave him the full slate. They said, hey, Justin, we're going to give you that full opportunity. Uh, they were like, uh, BC Johnson saw five snaps all game after being a starter for the first two weeks. Uh, and then Chad Beebe was the basically the wide receiver three. So they said, hey, J hey Justin, we're going to give you every opportunity to to take this job, take the wide receiver two job and run with it. And he, he did more than that, obviously. And obviously with the 175 yards and the touchdown. Um, but what I was excited to see, what I was, I was basically saying since the spring is Justin Jefferson is more than just a slot receiver. I know a lot of people, they wanted to pinpoint 
his uh, junior year at LSU as that's who he's going to be in the NFL. And I was like, well, you got to remember, he was, he was a pretty good receiver as a sophomore as when he played on the outside as well. Wasn't as dynamic, but at the same time, that's what they asked him to do. He was evolving. He has the ability to be an inside-outside type of player, and I think uh, within this offense, that type of player fits exactly what this this type of offense is looking for, a guy that can get open quickly, but he can also work in the, work both sides or work uh, inside and outside, which uh, Jeff- Jefferson could always do. And I think uh, the misperception that he was a slot-only type of player was was wrong, in my opinion. So I tried to make sure that that was clear um, when the Vikings drafted him when I you know, was watching his tape. Um, he's, he's dynamic. He's He's fast. He's uh, um, he's twitchy. He's also got strong hands. For a guy that um, you even see him on the field, you're like, man, that dude's skinny. But at the same time, like he's winning, you know, 50-50 balls. He's, uh, you know, out muscling uh, DBs. Even if Malcolm Butler is only five eight, um, he's still winning those matchups. And uh, Malcolm Butler's no slouch. So um, it's it's just great to see that they trusted Jefferson to to win at all levels. Like like Nick said, they said. We're going to let you win short. We're going to let you win intermediate. And we're going to say, hey, we don't have any downfield playmakers. So you're our downfield playmaker now. And he, he owned it. I mean, that touchdown was, um, was everything you wanted it to be. I mean, uh, that deep, those deep crossing routes is what you're seeing a lot of the, the West Coast uh, outside zones, you know, play action teams are running. And we finally got to see Jefferson run it, run this, this team run it. They did it a lot last year. Uh, didn't see it as much the first couple of weeks. So getting to see a guy like Jefferson out in space with the ball in his hands is, is what they need to do more of. So um, to answer your question, the last question about um, basically why he disappeared, I think that's an, that's a scheme reason. I, th- I think they, the Vikings tried to get in there uh, what looked to be just like their uh, four minute offense, two minute offense where they wanted to slow the game down. They wanted to focus on more of the, the run game. Uh, they felt uh, probably just felt that they wanted to keep establishing the run. Uh, Got to always do it, I guess. Um, but I, from what I saw it, I felt like they were trying to press too much at, toward the end of the game because the, the Titans, you know, they made some big plays. They kept themselves in the game, and the Vikings kept – the Vikings scored 30 points like like it, that was mentioned. So you score 30 points, you'd think your defense would, you know, help you out a little bit, and, uh, you know, that should be a winnable game. Um, and then that last drive, it, it felt like they wanted to try to get other people involved, you know, Adam Thielen, Cal Rudolph, uh, even a little bit of Dalvin Cook in there, and – um, yeah, the Rudolph touchdown is great and all, and that, you know, they needed that touchdown. Um, but other than that, the, it felt like everything else was forced and they should have just kept trying to do what was working and Jefferson was working. And so if you can get him in continued one-on-one matchups, why not keep feeding him uh, until the, the defense wants to stop it? So that's kind of where I saw it. And I think I'm not really sure what's going on with Thielen. Um, he didn't see a lot of targets in a game where, you know, you score 30 points. He had that nice touchdown. But I'm um, just kind of surprised he was he wasn't a little bit more involved in the passing game, especially with a banged up secondary for the Titans. How how do you rate the uh, the touchdown celebration though, Miles? From Adam Thielen? For, yes, from Adam Thielen. Oh yeah, uh, about what you <laughs> about what you'd expect. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, it, it, yeah, he just needs to work with Jefferson. Uh, or we, I know the Vikings tweeted out we need to see more of that from Thielen, but we don't. Uh, he's <laughs> what he's good at. So, Nick, I know that you posted on Twitter, and if uh, you're not following him, go do that right now. Uh, but, Nick, you broke down kind of every catch uh, from Justin Jefferson's breakout performance. Uh, was there anything else you wanted to add, anything else that really stood out for you, anything that 
you saw, I guess, why you were also going back and looking the film outside of what Miles maybe said um, for the reasons that the Vikings may have gone away from Jefferson when he was really the passing game at that point. Yeah, so there are a lot of things that really reminded me of his LSU tape. I went back and watched all his 2018 and 2019 tape um, over the summer. And a few things that we saw in the game was like straight out of that LSU offense. You know, we, we got him early on, uh, matched up against a linebacker, doing kind of a quick out route, and it's easy money for Jefferson there. Uh, we saw him, you know, find find a soft spot in zone very naturally on just a sort of a, a comeback or curl route in the middle of the field between uh, underneath the safety, but over the corner and and away from the, the 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 hook linebacker defender. Just catch the ball immediately, sprint upfield. You know, these are the kind of things he was really, you know, he finds the soft spots in zones. He's able to separate easily against underneath defenders. And then we also saw that amazing twirling acrobatic contested catch on the sideline fade against Malcolm Butler. That's all stuff that, like, if you read if you read Jefferson's scouting report, like, you know, this is this is completely matching exactly who the prospect we thought he'd be coming out. But then we also saw a few things that I was like, okay, this is this is actually pretty interesting to see and these are actually addressing some of the things that people are like well can he be this you know he played 45 snaps outside only six in the slot 45 snaps outside so there were a lot of questions maybe the question number one of jefferson is can he be an outside can he be an x receiver well he was for the majority of this game and he was he was winning most of his reps outside so that was really good to see that was really impressive because that answers a lot of questions i think about is he just going to be another one of the slot guys because Thielen's a slot bb's a slot BC's, you know, BC's more of a flanker, but you know, he he's not a big X guy. Jefferson looked like he can be that big that that possession receiver. So that's really good to see. A lot. Some people had some questions about his four four three speed. You know, that's a really fast time to to run it in the at, at the combine. But people are saying, yeah, I'm not sure that's real. I think that might be a fake number because you watch his LSU tape and he doesn't seem that fast. I think this game, you know, Malcolm Butler isn't necessarily fast, but maybe on that touchdown throw, you know, he was burning across the field. When you looked at him pick up, what, 33 yards on a 10-yard catch, all all that yards after catch he's getting, you know, you're really seeing his wheels there. So I saw a few things to, to address some of the concerns. Maybe the last one I'll mention is, he was really good against press. Malcolm Butler, I think the whole plan with Malcolm Butler was I'm going to press this guy. And Jefferson was beating him off the line of scrimmage really easily. So uh, he wasn't necessarily facing a hard jam, but he was winning with his footwork. And, you know, for somebody like Jefferson, I think that's enough. So I think there were a lot of things that said, you know, this guy is going to be as good as he was at LSU. And then where I think there were a few things that also said, I think this guy can be even better than he was at LSU because he's already taking some next steps. So that was really encouraging to see on top of, you know, the just the really impressive bottom line 175 yards seven first downs two force missed tackles one touchdown that enough is impressive but you go when you go back and look at the tape it's even more impressive than it looks on the stat page that was amazing and uh so we're we're, we're on a high right now and eric i'm gonna bring you right back down because flip's not here but he's here in spirit so there's some things that flip brought up that i need to to, to throw your way eric first things first the vikings running game dalvin cook 175 yards in the ground, very effective for the team. And then also, as Flip had said, uh, Tennessee was basically able to run on the Vikings at will. So even with Tannehill not playing his best game, they were able to really rely on that running game to keep things kind of moving along for them, which kind of allowed them to keep chipping away. And so I guess, Eric, a couple questions for you. For a team like a Tennessee, or even maybe the Vikings, where your quarterback play isn't top level, is there any merit to the point that Flip has made on many occasions that, you know, having that solid running game as a fallback option is something that could still help? Because, I mean, Tennessee, they were doing us a lot of, lot of favors, kicking a lot of field goals, but they were still moving the ball up and down the field with Derrick Henry just kind of running over our defense. 
And then I guess the follow-up to that is is just like how bad is our defense? Because when I look at, you know, you know, the ELO ratings and stuff, we don't seem to be as bad for PFF. DVOA really does hate us. And so I'm just trying to understand, like, as we move forward, should we are you expecting the defense to get better, or is that maybe some preseason baked in that hasn't really fallen out of the numbers yet? <clears throat> yeah, I mean, Cook had 119 yards uh, after contact, you know, five point four yards per carry after contact. A lot of that was on the, you know, obviously on his touchdown run, but he was consistently good. Um, if you look at Tennessee, though, I mean, Henry did average 4.6 yards per carry, you know, but they they had to feed him a lot. Um, you know, the issue was, you know, the the idea of something to fall back on, I, I understand. And I, but the only thing, the only teams I feel like whose running game is something good to fall back on are the teams with awesome passing games. And the Vikings currently, might have the potential for that. I wish they'd throw to Irv Smith more. He didn't have one target the entire game. Um, he's he's somebody in that offense that I think could be really good. Um, but, you know, with, with Kirk not necessarily fulfilling the potential, you have to rely on the run game, you know, probably too much. And what we saw in the second half is when that became your primary offense, it wasn't effective. And, and that's, you know, that's not good. And that's why Tennessee, you know, Tennessee's frankly, you know, they're 3-0, and but they're 0-3 against the spread. They have actually not, you know, met expectations of the marketplace yet so far this season. And a lot of that is because Derrick Henry's averaging 3 point, I think it's 3.7 yards per carry. Uh, he's Eddie Georging his way through this particular year, or 2006 Larry Johnson, I feel like, uh, you know, whereas he's getting a ton of, of volume, but they're, they're really uh, only 3.9 yards a carry. They're really only winning because... Of, of Tannehill, who went over the top to Corey Davis, went over the top to Cleef Raymond. I mean, the Vikings struggled against a passing offense that was missing their best player, uh, you know, in A.J. Brown. Um, those are the things that I'm a little worried about with them. I, I do think the team gets better on defense. I don't think there's any way, way it could go. I mean, the only way that it would get worse is if literally none of these young players developed. And I don't think that that's going to happen. I think Gladney will develop. I think Dantzler will. It was just a poor bet to make that they would by week one. Um, and, you know, and, you know, they're going to have to and they're going to and there's going to be some bumps along the road. I mean, you look at their their schedule, you know, they get Houston, who I think I mean, Houston's played three teams that haven't lost yet. Uh, well, Baltimore lost. Um, but, you know, they're 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 an, a really good 0 three team. They play a hard, hard schedule in the league. That's going to be a challenge. Obviously, Seattle's going to be a challenge for them. Atlanta has done nothing but make plays in the passing game, except when they've had to you know, hold a lead. Uh, Green Bay is, you know, the most efficient passing offense in the NFL currently. Detroit is a team that I think, you know, could give them problems. Um, and obviously, if Nick Foles is still starting. Uh, you know, like they're they're facing teams with some really good offenses all the way until they get to the Panthers, who just beat the Chargers outright, a six and a half point underdog. So. I do think it gets better for them. I don't know if we see it as uh, as the results on the field in terms of wins and losses. That's that's the really hard part about this year is that our expectations were high for them wins and losses wise, and it's going to have to probably uh, you know circle into more of a let's look at each individual player and see how uh, they evolve. And and to Nick's point, this last week there was a very huge positive, which was that the first round pick Justin Jefferson had a tremendous game. And right. Eric, okay. too, Jeff Gladney looked pretty good. I mean, there's a few plays in there, obviously. But, like, from for his first career start, I thought, like, there was a building blocks to, to work off of. I'm not going to say he was great or anything, but he yeah. looked looked like he was getting more comfortable as the game was going, even though he got beat a few times. But He, got, he got picked on, but he also, 
what you don't want to see from a rookie is that they're just like consistently mediocre. He had some right. really bad plays, but he also had flashed and had some really like the pass right. breakup on that out route. That was a really nice read, a really nice click and close. That was a really nice play. The 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 reading the screen, snuffing that out for a tackle for a loss. That was really good. Yeah, he got burned by Khalif Barnes or whoever it was, but uh, y- y- you know, you you want you kind of want it. You kinda, I think you want your young guys to have like highlight plays and low light plays because. Well, and it sounds like the safety was supposed to be over top there. I think they were. Yeah. Yeah, uh, so that might not I think that was one of those Harrison Smith uh, kind of rolling off of his uh, playing off of a feel type of play. That's what it looked like when I saw that play happen. Yeah. But I mean, and also happened. even on that, you know, yeah, he got burned, but also once he realized he bit on the double move, he was sprinted back upfield, and you know, he tested like at a four 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 three three or something at TCU, and I was he always not sure if they were lying with that with that forty out of TCU or not. But he looks really really fast, like he caught up to to Khalid Barnes or whoever. So, so, you know, you're seeing some positive stuff there, even if the end result is he gave up over hundred yards in coverage, which is obviously <laughs> terrible. For sure. Yeah. I, I get a little worried. I mean, when I look, I mean, at six for 10 for 120, right. And four first downs and, you know, he, he's somebody where, you know, I want to go back and look at how Xavier Rhodes did as a rookie as a nickel, you know, in, in, in uh Frazier's defense, you look back and think, my whole thing, and this is what, you know, Flip, our, our good friend, uh, you know, he he was like, you know, what, wait a sec, you want to say that replacing Trey Waynes is hard, and but you guys don't like Trey Waynes, and, and I'm like, yeah, it's actually pretty nuanced, right? It took Trey Waynes, what, three years to become a good, like a, a, a starting cornerback that no one is constantly complaining about? Like, that actually took him some time, and yet at the same time, he didn't live up to being the 11th overall pick. Yeah, he fits nicely into that position for the Vikings defense, and um, and those types of players don't get retained, and people come to the conclusion that they're easy to replace, and they're not, right? Like, Gladney was picked, what, 12, 13, 14 picks behind where, where Waynes was? So to expect him to have that median outcome like that's going to be if if he ends up as good as Trey Wayne's, that might be a win for the Vikings. And I know that that's picks. like twenty picks after. Yeah, and I know that that's a you know, and Cameron Dancer's a third round pick. Like who else was a third round pick? Josh Robinson was a third round pick, and he at least played. But like we have to we have to expectation that the 2015 draft for for Vikings fans has altered our our perception of reality so drastically, right? Like you know, BC Johnson's probably done about as good as you could expect him to do. Um, you know, Justin Jefferson has exceeded expectations already as a wide receiver in the NFL being drafted where he is. Um, you know, some of these guys have to come around, but you know, it, it, the problem is, is like, it was all asked to happen so quickly. And all it was again, like a five team betting parlay. Like you need to hit every single leg and that just doesn't happen so much. But when we get to the end of the season, we look back and, you know, there will be positives to take from some of these guys. And, you know, that, that's really, you know, if they finish six and 10 or whatever, like that's, that's fine. But like there, that's where you, you go back and say, okay, there are buildable pieces here. Yeah. When do we get to see the Vikings hit on another blue chip player in the mid round, middle rounds? Cause we haven't seen that since what Stefan Diggs. And those well, are, I mean, that's yeah. rare. Like, well, Alex, and for, Alex and Madi- for the long, Madison, for, no, Madison's no? a good player. I mean, he like, look, Alexander Madison's met expectations already. BC Johnson's met expectations. He's right. played games in the NFL as a seventh round pick. But when um, are you going to find the guy that like w- plays well above expectation that you get to have for three to four years on a cheap rookie deal? Yeah. But look Not, at, I mean, yeah, yeah. 
that's the thing. But no team is is reliably no team reliably does that. Look at the, the Vikings these, do the, it all the time. No team reliably does that. No, they just remember the hits. I'm not saying they successfully do it. I'm saying they attempt to do it. Yeah, yeah. BC Johnson is the prime example of our seventh round pick as a rookie was expected to be our third slash second wide receiver last year on a on a contending team. Like right. those are that's just not a. I well, don't that, know. Yeah. And that's why you approach the draft in a more analytical way. That's why you don't reach for Garrett Bradbury. That's why you trade back and take him where the market has him because you are not better at picking players than anybody else. You don't you're not able to identify a player and say, look, we're 10 spots above the market on them, but we're 10 spots more correct than the market. You just aren't. That's how it goes. The neighbors to the east, the Green Bay Packers, everybody said, oh, look, they got James Jones. They got. Donald Driver. They got Aaron Rodgers has thrown two touchdown passes to a first round pick in his career. And everybody thought that that was a feature in the Green Bay Packers. You know, Ted Thompson, you fast forward it five years and look at their receivers. They're all like the, the Alan Lazard was wide open and he turned into Robert Ferguson at the 20 yard line and got chased down from behind because he sucks. And, you know, like, and, and Rodgers is good enough to overcome a lot of that. But you look at their drafting in Green Bay, and it went from, oh, my God, they can pick up Sam Shields off the street. They can pick up Tremont Williams and all this stuff. And then Tremont Williams becomes Demarius Randall. Oh, well, maybe it's just a bunch of coin flips, and you got you, you collected a bunch of them really nicely, like the Vikings did in 2015. And then you, you, you struggled it because of variance, like the Vikings have ever since. And that's just sort of the way it is, and that's why you accumulate a lot of picks, which the Vikings do pretty well, and you you sort of follow the market a little bit. And that's something I don't think the Vikings really have done with the you know the Bradburys of the world, for example. Do love those yeah. interior offensive linemen. Well, the Vikings are weird when it comes to analytics because they very much use it, and we know they use it, but then they don't seem to adhere to it at like the most important times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like the focal point of the offense uh, is our running game. The yeah. uh, we need to make sure that we spend a top twenty pick on a center. We need to, you know, all those pay our running backs. Like put our mo- we put our money at our skill positions in Stephon Diggs, Adam Thielen. Kyle Rudolph and Kirk Cousins, but we build our offense around the run game. I just it, it doesn't make sense to me. And obviously, I know Diggs is gone, and but like still, like the idea there. Yeah. So before we get to the next topic, Eric, you did remind me of something because you mentioned analytics, and and you know it's it's it is the talk of you know I guess the the online space around our Vikings right now, which is you know it's fun tank for tank for Trevor. Maybe we get Justin Fields. There's a lot of hype going on right now. Maybe it's real. Maybe it's to troll a reef around Trey Lance. And, um, you know, our man Flip, as we talk about it, he's not here. But, you know, his spirit lives on. And many fans are calling for, this, you know, a complete teardown. Fire Zim. Fire Spielman. Get Kirk out of here. Start with a fresh new quarterback. And Flip says that that is a, not a, a, a sound strategy, that rebuilding like that doesn't really work. And so, Eric, I just wanted to get your thoughts while we were here and before we jump into, you know, looking ahead at how we match up with Houston, on your thoughts on, like, what the best way to rebuild or dig out of uh, the type of hole maybe we find ourselves in actually is, um, and, like, you know, what teams should be doing to go about getting themselves into a better situation? Well, I know this is not what they're going to do, but they should throw the ball more often. Because you need to find out about, you know everything you need to know about Cook. 
and Cook's already got his money. You know, you need to find out if your young lineman can pass protect. You need to find out if Jefferson and, and Irv Smith can carry the load on offense. You need to find out, um, you know, you, you probably need to, you know, play some of your younger guys more often. I mean, I don't know why Shamar Stephens playing. I, I, I don't see it. I, for me, you know, he, he, was good on, he was good on Sunday. He was. Yeah. But like, for what, <laughs> like, what, what's the point? Like, he's, their, I, he's their best interior defensive lineman. Like, <laughs> yeah. To troll well, Zimmer fin- it's the, it's the world Zimmer wants, right? It's, it, we finally got it, you know? <laughs> um, and, and yeah, it, my thing is, is at this point in time, if you luck box into two, three wins in the next month, that's great. Go for it. Go, go fight in an NFC. That's, you know, not that top heavy and you have a shot, but don't, but don't sell, don't sell your soul to do it. Don't, don't get to week eight at, and then become one and seven and then say to yourself, okay, now it's time. No, use that data, right? Cause you have, the Vikings are not that far away. They have tons of draft picks next year. They have tons of draft picks currently on their team. Um, you know, the Wilfs spare no expense on this team. Um, you know, so try to find out about your players and try to, you know, do, don't, you know, try to be as optimal in, in finding that data. What that means is don't run the football so much. Don't, don't play guys who, you know, might be six out of 10 in every play, play a guy who can be a nine every other play and a one someplace, find out what they're good at, find out what they're bad at. Like to me, that's how I would do it. I wouldn't like, like, that's what's so tragic about the New York Jets is that Adam Gase, the way that he runs his football team is he sends guys out there who he knows are threes out of 10 and there's no variance in any of it. And so you, what you get is horseshit football, excuse my French all the time and no upside. And that's why the jets have been where they are for, for all these years, at least with the Vikings, you have a ton of guys who can go out there and, you know, like don't activate Daniel Hunter. That's one thing. Don't like, don't risk his future. Don't play him anymore. Like, Find out what you have in Yannick Ngakwe. Find out what you have in the younger ends, and and you know right off the season. And if you luck into four or five wins here, then yeah, activate them. But don't activate them just so that you can get to three and five by the middle of the year. All right, I love it. Well, let's look ahead, Mr. Olson. Houston might actually be a team whose defense is worse than our own. How do we feel going into this matchup? What are you looking for? And like Miles kind of you know alluded to before, this does this feel like the kind of game that you know the Vikings might go in there and kind of shock the world and and pull off the victory? Yeah, I I don't know. It's hard to have any confidence in the Vikings <laughs> team right now, given I mean JJ Watt is going to be matched up against Drew Samia. I mean I, that matchup alone is enough to tell you like how you should be feeling going into this 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 matchup. It's going to be ugly. You know, you know thought Davey Clowney versus Drew Samia was bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be ugly. I mean, they, you know, Deshaun Watson is obviously the star of the show there, and he's a very good quarterback who can make a lot of crazy plays. You know, he has some, uh, you take the good with the bad with the way he extends plays there. But, you know, with, uh, you know, obviously they got rid of DeAndre Hopkins, but they got a pair of speedsters there that, you know, that could, you know, it's not exactly who you would hope to go up against when you got a young secondary, especially guys with like Dantzler who maybe can't keep up with the speedsters downfield. Um, you know, they, they, they've got a lot of holes in their defense. Um, you know, the front seven outside of JJ Watt doesn't really scare you that much. So maybe, uh, maybe there'll be some holes for Dalvin to run through, but I I just think when you, when you compare, 
Uh, I think these are both 0-3 teams that are better than 0-3. But when you're going, you know, when it's an away game and you're facing a better quarterback, it's really hard to have any confidence in the away team. So uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all, not really a rousing endorsement. Miles, you got anything else? You got anything to make me feel good about this matchup? What? Uh, anything? You would. This would normally be a, a week where the Vikings should, the defensive line would should, should be able to feast because the Texans' offensive line is terrible like the Vikings, but uh, the issue is the Vikings don't have defensive linemen that are going to do that. So I don't know. <laughs> Um, you would you would hope that the like Yannick Ngakwe, but he's going to be lined up against uh, Laramie Tunsil, who's good but not great. Um, but he's probably the only like serv- serviceable offensive lineman they have right now. Um, but yeah, like this feels like the Titans game where essentially, if the game's going to be close, the Vikings probably aren't going to win it. They probably need to blow this game out if they're going to try to win it because if they keep someone like Deshaun Watson in the game, they're probably going to lose the game. I mean, that's just. They're not going to outscore him at the end. Uh, he's going to – he'll find a way to win the game. We won't find a way to – we'll find a way to lose the game. So if the Vikings have any intention of winning this game, they got to they got to get up early and keep the lead. Uh, they just got to keep scoring. I mean, this is the type of team right now that needs to score 35 points a game to even have a shot at, at winning a game. And what's the point at that point? Uh, so um, if you're going to be that bad on defense, I mean, like like Eric was alluding to, Let's see some guys. Like, let's see Ezra Cleveland get in there and play. Uh, I don't care where. Left guard, left tackle. Play him. Put him on the field. Let's see some of these young guys get an opportunity just to see if they can step up. Um, you know, like like Nick alluded to, too, the, uh, the speedsters for Houston. They got Brandon Cooks, uh, Kenny Stills, Will Fuller. Those guys can fly. So uh, can we keep up? I don't know. Uh, I, I, so what I worry about is, with the way Zimmer would like to use a guy like uh, uh, Harrison Smith this week is to basically, uh, well, normally Anthony Barr would be like a spy on Deshaun Watson. That's not going to happen. What do you do with Harrison Smith around the line of scrimmage? Or do you need to keep him back to help the the, the young guys? Because normally you'd like him to be your you know jack of all trades. He does everything. He's everywhere. But with the way your corners are playing, you can't rely on that as much because you're that's when you get beat deep on a 70-yard pass to Khalif freaking Raymond I mean that's your Dan Chisna I mean Jesus like you just put your speed out there and let him go catch the ball so like if you can't trust that then what's the like I just don't see a, a way where like I I'm not saying the, the Vikings can win this game because I don't think the Houston Texans are all that good but like everybody else said they have Deshaun Watson in it and if this game's going to be close then yeah you don't really have a shot all right Eric are you, are you going to make this a clean sweep do you do you have any other any words of wisdom, any 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 nuggets, any little bits of insight that might maybe make us feel a little bit better about this outside of our, our, our crushed emotions of just being Vikings fans who are now just accustomed to being disappointed? I have. So the Houston Texans are four and a half point favorites in this game. It's moved up a little bit. It was three and a half at one point. Uh, I make the number about five, so I'm a little bit on Houston side here. Uh, the, the total on this game is 54 and a half. Betting overs in Vikings games has been profitable. Um, I, I don't think much defense is going to be played in this game. Uh, if it is going to be, it's going to be J.J. Watt on, on uh, Kirk Cousins, unfortunately. Um, the corners for Houston have played okay this year. 
Um, and that worries me because they have a lot of okay corners who can be, can look really bad against the Houston's or sorry, against the, you know, Baltimore's and the Kansas City's of the world. I hope Jefferson's sort of up to speed here so that he can, you know, exploit the Bradley Robies and the, and the, uh, Vernon Hargreaves of the world. Watson's a tough guy to, to kill. Right. And, and we've seen this Houston team before their own three in 2018, and they went on a winning streak that was, I think, nine games or something. They ended up winning the AFC South that year. So they're not a team that's going to quit just because they're 0-3. The Vikings are going to have to match their intensity. Um, so, it, you know, it's it's tough. I mean, um, if I had to say, I'd, I'd lean Houston. But I think the Vikings certainly have a chance to win the game. All right. Well, that's it. We made it. Only a couple curse words. Nothing that'll get us kicked <laughs> off the air. So, you know, that's sorry, all right, yes. too. I'm sorry. It's okay. We're talking <laughs> about the Vikings. We're, we're talking about the Vikings. So a little bit of cursing is expected. And hey, I, David, David was back there drinking, too. So, like, that's, that's <laughs> you know, you just got to grab a beer and, and settle in. This is David's second show tonight. You know, he, he is a machine. He's earned those beers. But that's it. Viewers, uh. Thanks for riding with us in this wonderful exper- experiment of us uh, doing this thing live. And uh, listeners, thanks for sticking with us. We will talk to you soon. Have a good one. Boom. We didn't even talk about COVID. Thank you for watching or listening. As always, if you like, subscribe, and ring the bell for notifications. And if you're listening to the podcast, please rate us on your favorite aggregator. Go, everybody.